by having to race through anything in the second. So give me a few minutes in Hebrews 2. We will sing about our Lord Jesus Christ, and we will do what He wants us to do. We will come to His table and remember His death till He comes. His death destroyed death. He is the second Adam, and He has undone what the first Adam did. The ground was cursed because of the first Adam. The curse is lifted because of the second Adam. Death pervades our world because of the first Adam. Death is destroyed because of the second Adam. Wickedness was brought into our human family because of the first. Everlasting righteousness was given to each of us by the second. Hebrews chapter 2, only a few minutes. I want to start where I was reading to you at the 6th verse earlier today as we compared this passage to Psalm 8. I'll stop once in a, a couple of times to help you understand this wonderful passage. I will read the 13 verses to the end of the chapter. Hebrews 2.6 But one in a certain place testified, that's David, and a certain place is Psalm 8. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man, that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man, that thou visitest him? He shouldn't have. We're lower than the angels. The angels that sinned are reserved in everlasting chains unto eternal torment. Why aren't we? Because of what we're about to read. Verse 7, Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownedst him with glory and honor, and didst set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. This is Paul's commentary on Psalm 8. But now we see not yet all things put under Him. But we see Jesus. What a glorious, inspired disjunctive. But we see Jesus. We wonder, how is Psalm 8 fulfilled? It's fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, to fulfill that seventh verse, to fulfill Psalm 8. For the suffering of death. That's why Jesus Christ came into this world to die. Crowned with glory and honor. We see Jesus crowned with glory and honor. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on the world, and received up into glory. We see Jesus crowned with glory and honor that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. The every man is the every man in context that we are about to read concerning. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons unto glory. There's the every man, the sons of God, and the glory that we're going to share with the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like it told us 
in Romans 8, 17, If so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. In bringing many sons unto glory, so that He can be the firstborn among many brethren. Romans eight twenty nine, To make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. We have a captain. He's the captain of our salvation. He's the Lord Jesus Christ of glory. And we're going to celebrate the death of our captain for us. He's now in heaven. He's not on the cross. He's not suffering. But he suffered once for all of us and all of God's elect. Verse 11, for both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. There is one family of God where we are all united together by the sanctifying grace of God through Jesus Christ, which makes us the holy objects of His love and the holy servants fit for heaven and the holy sons fit for heaven. For both He that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. Jesus and us are all united together in one body. He is our head. Without us, He is incomplete, though He filleth all in all. Hebrews, I mean Ephesians chapter 1, the last couple of verses. For which cause He is not ashamed to call them brethren. We are all united into one, and Jesus Christ, mind you, is not ashamed to call you His brother, and He will declare that to the universe, which is what Romans 8.19 is referring to when it says, For the creature... Waiteth for the manifestation, the earnest expectation of the creature, waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. When Jesus Christ will not be ashamed to say, Hillary's my brother. Hillary's mine. Hillary, come here. And all of us, he's not ashamed. We know that there are so many shameful things about us, but he paid for every one of them. Saying, This is a quotation from another psalm. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. Jesus Christ is not ashamed of us and he fulfills Bible prophecies. And again, another quotation from the Old Testament. I will put my trust in him. And again, a third, behold, I am the children which God hath given me. The Lord Jesus Christ will own before God our Father and His Father that every single one that was given to Him before the world began, He has fully redeemed and saved. They are His brothers. They're all of one. And Lord, here's the family that You gave me. I am the preeminent older brother. I am the firstborn. But these are my brothers, and together we're heirs of You. And we're going to spend eternity serving Thee. I, the Savior, and they, the saved, are together Your joint heirs. It's unbelievable. It's wonderful. Verse 14, For as much then, if this is true, doctrinally, then there were some practical considerations. For as much then as the children, that's you and me, are partakers of flesh and blood, He also Himself likewise took part of the same. Jesus needed a flesh and blood body through the womb of Mary by the power of the Holy Ghost, that through death, He might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. And the only power that the devil has in death is that the devil got our first parents to sin against the law of God that said, if you sin, you'll die. So it was taking away the sin leverage 
and the sin accusation that the devil had against us that takes away the devil's power. Then the devil has nothing but one sin left. His own. And there is no redeemer for it. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. False religion preys on the fear of men about dying, and so it creates various ways in which you can save yourselves from death. But we've been delivered from candles and masses. We've been delivered from the imagination of purgatory. We've been delivered from offering our firstborn. We've been delivered from any system of works to one of grace. Because Christ has saved us from death by Himself. For verily, He took not on Him the nature of angels, but He took on Him the seed of Abraham. The Apostle is explaining practically and scripturally back to where it says that He was made little lower than the angels in verse 7. He didn't become an angel to save fallen angels. He went below the angels to save fallen man. It gives greater glory to God to save the lower species, to save the lower race, to save the elect of the human family. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Thank you, Lord, for fulfilling that to us. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. His brethren, because we're the sons of God, And He's the Son of God. Throughout this passage, they are all of one. He's not ashamed to call them brethren. In bringing many sons to glory, He is made like unto His brethren. For 33 years, He lived in the world with a body like ours, that He might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. He took on a flesh and blood nature like we have so that he could die a flesh and blood death, which we will remember both components at this table. His flesh was torn for us, releasing his blood which was shed for him to die to deliver us from the claim of death that the devil had against us by the sin of our first parents and by our own sins. But there's more to it because he had our flesh and blood nature and was made like unto his brethren. It says in verse 18, For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Not only did the flesh and blood body give him the, the vehicle by which to die in our place as a substitute for us, it gave him a flesh and blood existence for 33 years in which he was tempted so that he can succor us When we're tempted, succor is a word meaning to help. So it reads, in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to help them that are tempted. And as the fourth chapter would tell us, he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Therefore we can come to him boldly. He is the perfect Savior. He is the captain of our salvation. And he was made perfect through suffering. Because if he had not suffered... He'd be the infinite God manifest in the flesh in heaven and would not be able to relate to us. 
but he can relate to us. He's the perfect captain of our salvation. Not only did he pay the complete price for our ransom from the enemy that held us under the claims of our own sins, but he's a perfect captain because he's able to commiserate with every single one of us, each of us, with our own unique circumstantial temptations. One migraines, one diabetes. One fear of this, another fear of that. He's able to relate to all of those in that he himself hath suffered being tempted. This is your Savior. This is the captain of your salvation. As we come to the Lord's table today, the anger and fury of God against the first sin of our first parents cursed the earth. Cursed the animal world. What had to die immediately to provide coats of skins for Adam and Eve? An innocent animal. They were made subject to vanity, not willingly, by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. God was so angry about the sin of man, it wasn't a surprise to him. It was by design for the greater glory of our glorious God. Our first Adam brought a curse upon the ground. He brought a curse upon us. He brought a curse upon the animals. He brought a curse. Sin has messed up everything. But it's lifted by the second Adam. The Lord Jesus Christ came and stood under the wrath of Almighty God and bore that wrath when it pleased the Lord to bruise him. It is not part of God's nature to bruise innocent creatures. It is part of God's nature to crush all rebel sinful enemies. But in mercy, he sent the Lord Jesus Christ to stand in our place, stand in the way, and be a perfect captain of our salvation. He became like us to do what we couldn't do for ourselves and to do what our first father wouldn't do for us. He did for us. He's the second Adam. He's the first fruits of them that slept, meaning all of us are going to follow him, which will help you understand the 23rd verse, that they have the first fruits of the Spirit. Not that they were the first ones to get the Spirit. But having the Spirit means that there is something else to come. It's called the harvest. It's called the manifestation of the sons of God. We have the Spirit as the earnest of our inheritance. 23rd verse. May the Lord bless. Hebrews 2. For you to consider very briefly the captain of our salvation who is perfect in the legal redemption of our sins and he's perfect in the practical commiseration with us in our temptations. To you who are troubled, Rest with me. I'll try to rest with you too. I get troubled myself. He just knows I I don't have the constitution of some of you. But he's a wonderful savior for all of us. Amen. Let's sing about him and then let's remember his death till he comes.